Hello, guys. It is uh, Monday night. I've got Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas here with me. We're on a live stream. Uh, going to talk a little Texas football, uh, recruiting, a little Texas basketball maybe as well. Uh, but uh, one of the things we want to talk about first tonight is Chris Del-, Del Conte, the athletic director at the University of Texas, had a town hall earlier tonight where he uh, had some interesting things to say. I'm going to go over a few of those uh, tidbits now. Uh, Jerry and I will also be taking your questions uh, most of the evening. Uh, we're, we've uh, decided that that's uh, a, a good way to spend our time so you guys can kind of get into the, the, the mix here and uh, tell us what you're thinking as well. Uh, but before I go into more on what Chris Del Conte had to say tonight, I, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, and that t- tonight is Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texas. Uh, we're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still uh, to be fighting for the little guy against big power. That's www.energytexas.com. Let's talk a little bit about now uh, what uh, Chris Del Conte had to say. Probably the number one thing on my list, Jerry, uh, from what he talked about tonight was he said the football football NIL, or excuse me, the football indoor facility was number one on his list. Football indoor, number one. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, – people asked about that in the last couple of weeks on our shows. I think that's a huge development. Uh, not that it's a recruit deal breaker for Texas, right? This is all bells and whistles. But it's also – to me, it's finding the right place for it, um, you know, to where you don't have to bust the guys in to the practice – the indoor practice facility all the time. Something I, It's tough at the University of Texas. There's just very little ground, but uh, uh, very little area to even kind of approach the subject. But if they can find that – I think it's just adds. It's another bell and whistle, and it's uh, something that, for the from the fan standpoint, and the prior coaches honestly needed to be addressed. Um, I also thought something big um, that he said today was after the location for the bubble is or the new indoor practice facility is located, and they get to work on that. That they want to return to grass at DKR, and I think that's a very good thing. I think they need to have grass at DKR. Yeah, I, look, uh, football was a large portion of what they talked about uh, tonight in that town hall. Uh, more improvements on the way to DKR. 22 new concession stands or places you can buy food or drink. Uh, and uh, they're going to keep the prices low. He said that I think that the cost of a bottle of water is only $3 compared to most stadiums where it's five and up right now. Um some other comments, uh, I think they're going to have LED lighting uh, now as well. That's uh, big. Which I think is going to add some excitement to the, to the, uh, to the, uh, to DKR, especially during night games. Uh, there's just a lot of things on tap, and it's clear that uh, Chris Del Conte, while his teams are performing well on the field of play in general right now. <laughs> this is what uh, I was about to comment on. Yeah, I, I know exactly what he's talking about there. So when they first, uh, built the Hall of Honor, uh, as well as the welcome area for the uh, Moncrief Newhouse area. They did not put a, a true recruiting lounge in where they could host recruits. And it's something that uh, that uh, player personnel director Billy Glasscock and those guys need uh, to do their jobs um, more effectively and efficiently. efficiently. Uh, all that is is an extra area uh, and a, a a designated area for recruits on game day and for junior days. Okay, I was I was I, in my head. I was joking. You're thinking like Tampa Bay Devil Rays, where they have a pool up in that area where the recruits sit, and like it's a September 10th game, and it's 100 degrees, and the guys could just be in the pool having a good time. I was thinking recruiting lounge like that. I was saying, okay, we're about to take things to another level here that's never been done before. But I guess I was a little off track with that. Yeah, a little bit. It's not. It's not. They're not going to go swimming in in, uh, in DKR and That's have not a, a bad idea for recruiting. They may do that at Central Florida. How about yeah. that? They should. <laughs> they they need to attract fans of the stadium. Um, they'll do whatever they can. All right. A couple other notes uh, from the town hall. LHN will be Longhorn Network will be folding in uh, to at the SEC network. So uh, get that one down. Uh, he said the long term goal. Uh, for Texas at uh, in the SEC 
will be seven home games. So that's six uh, home games. If the year that that it is OU is a home game, then it may only be six. But that means likely uh, two or two or three home games every year uh, in the non-conference, which is uh, quite a bit. Uh, and one of those things we need to look at. Uh, he also mentioned that the SEC schedule for next year, for 2024, will likely get a first glimpse sometime this summer. So the very first SEC schedule for 2024 will actually be out sometime this summer. Uh, Jerry, you have anything else you want to hit on real quick that that, you, that caught your ear when you were listening? Uh, not that, for, the, for the number of crunchers, $9 million surplus, uh, $220. Uh, 216 budget, 225 and change brought in. So uh, good on that as, as expected. But no, I think I thought that was an extremely positive, you know, obviously um, from a football uh, standpoint, I thought it was a great update for football fans at the University of Texas, people that attend games, just followers of the Longhorns. I thought that was a tremendous update. Uh, the indoor practice facility, going back to grass, the recruit lounge, I mean, uh, you know, the concessions on the West side. I mean, everything was all positives and a continuation of, look, it's an arms race and you're moving into the arms race and you got to keep upgrading. You got to, um, you know, LED lighting down to the LED lighting, the game day atmosphere. Um, I think everything is headed in the right direction with Texas football. And obviously the other thing he said is if any other sports are added, it will be women's sports at this time. Yeah, I think that's that's what we would all expect. Yeah, they're bringing a beach volleyball this year, right? So they've added uh, beach volleyball, which has really taken off around the country. Yeah, it is. And and I want to say this, one of the reasons why uh, we are uh, at this point going on tonight, uh, as opposed to Tuesday night, is Texas has a basketball game tomorrow against Iowa State at home. Uh, that game starts at 8 o'clock. Jerry and I also have a, a get-together down in Houston uh, from 4 to 7 tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be at the, an event that uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Chris Del Conte will be at uh, for in, to, to benefit NIL at the University of Texas. We're going to head down there and uh, see what's up uh, and uh, get it, get to, to know some of you guys that hopefully can able are able to go out and uh, support the Longhorns as well. Uh, Jerry, uh, I, I spoke with Justin Wells uh, today uh, about the quarterback position. Uh, we we tried to go real deep and talk about who we thought was going to be the leader out of, out of spring, who was going to be uh, the uh, backup, how Arch would fit in. Um, what is your, you know, what is your thought process at this point on where Texas is at from a quarterback position? Well, first I'll start. There is no quarterback controversy. Quinn Ewers is a starter. It's going to be that way. If anybody thinks it's not, I don't know what to tell them. Um, and there's no quarterback controversy. He's the number one guy. Um, I think he'll emerge as the leader of the group. Uh, I think Malik Murphy is probably the most intriguing because he had the farthest to go. We're talking Quinn Ewers, not discounting Charles Wright. He's the number three guy, right? But the guys Sarkeesians recruited, Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, or Malik Murphy first, then Quinn Ewers, then Arch Manning. Um, he had the farthest to go. It was a mechanical overhaul. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, when he gets in, live game situations or simulated game situations, how does he respond to that? Um, when the walls start closing, when he feels pressure, when he's have to start making quarterback plays, um, how's he going to handle that? And then uh, Arch Manning, look, the one thing about, I think Arch's greatest strength, other than what you see, <clears throat> which is an, a five-star quarterback, is he's a, he, he, he already carries himself like a professional. Anybody that's watched him practice, it's like a professional. So somebody that's coming in, they're going to be a professional the way they attack spring practice. They're going to be a professional the way they work when they're not the starter. I don't think anybody has to be worried about that stuff with Arch Manning. I actually think that's a strength to his, and it's going to be a strength to his, and it's a strength to the families. They attack this position like professionals. They prepare like professionals, and he's going to be more the same. So if if, if there's a five-star quarterback that's coming in um, that is going to – probably red shirt, he's going to be well-equipped to handle that and maximize that year. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Here's the interesting thing to me. I I, I created a poll on the community section of the On Texas uh, Football YouTube page today because I wanted to get a feel for it after I, I read some of the comments from our 
quarterback video that Justin and I did. I, did. I wanted to get a feel, um, Jerry, for what other people thought of this whole situation at, at quarterback. And I asked not who would be the starting quarterback uh, in 2023 to start the season, but who would be the second string quarterback to start 2023. And it's very interesting. Uh Malik Murphy comes out with 75% of the vote compared to Arch Manning with just 20% of the vote, Charles Wright with 1%, Quinn Ewers with just 4%. So I, I think that right or wrong, uh, there are, there's a lot of uh, positivity around Malik Murphy behind uh, some, the Texas fan base at this point. And so I think it's interesting. Y you look at him and, you know, you're right. He did have an overhaul. Big guy, though, uh, tough. Uh, we'll see if he's ready to go ahead of Arch Manning. But we got to remember, uh, Malik did not get a full spring last year. Um, he, he was injured. And then he had some injuries early in fall camp that kept him out even longer. Uh, so he, he doesn't have that much more experience as a Texas Longhorn than Quinn Ewers, or, excuse me, than, than Arch Manning at this point. Well, the way I look at it, Bobby, is, and this is not an indictment on Malik Murphy's ability. Um, I look at it kind of like Connor Robertson was the number two center last year, but he never had to get pushed into action if Jake, unless Jake Majors got hurt. I kind of think that's what we're going to be looking at in this scenario. We talked about it a little bit last week. If Quinn Ewers gets knocked out of a game, Malik Murphy's your guy. Heaven forbid something happened, extended the season to Quinn Ewers. I think the Arch Manning era begins. I think that's where I come out on it. That's not anything negative on Malik Murphy. I just think that's a scenario that kind of was playing out at center last year. If there had been an injury to Jake Majors, Connor Robertson was going to take over as the center, not Logan Park. I, isn't it more to do with knowing that Arch wants to redshirt? No, I don't think so. Uh, because to Jerry's point, uh, if – if Quinn Ewers were to go down, it's all hands on deck at that yeah. point. Um, this I don't, is your three for Sarkeesian. You can't play around with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's just uh, reality. So I, I wasn't necessarily thinking about that, but I did find it interesting. I, I really think, you know, from, from my vantage point, I think it's a toss-up who goes in number two in sp after spring ball. Uh, because I here's here's the reality of it, guys. Malik, Malik Murphy is talented and physically gifted. Um, the reality is Quinn Ewers was 1-1. Yeah. First quarterback, number one overall. Arch Manning, 1-1. First overall, number one quarterback. Malik Murphy was not. Doesn't mean Malik Murphy doesn't have a future as a pro. Okay. But he, he's got some, he's got a tall task yeah. uh, ahead of him. And I think that this, uh, disregarding what Quinn Ewers and or Arch Manning uh, bring to the table themselves, I, I think that's a – I'm going to tell you, I don't know how many 1-1 quarterbacks are third string. I'll just I'll just put it that way, even as true freshmen. Yeah. So maybe we'll see. Yeah, uh, and look, if there's – if it ends up there's no question who the number two is, then that means Arch Manning's probably had a schedule and he's going to be really, really good, by the way. Yeah. It's not a, this isn't, and I want to be clear. Some people are saying, oh, y'all are hating on Malik. No. I mean, far from it. I mean, I think Jerry and I both like him. It's the, the issue is look, there's competition in that room <laughs> and that you got to realize who he's up against. Uh, it's not, uh, not weak sauce, I guess, is the best. Now, way. by the way, so in Quinn Ewers, I expect them to have a really good year. Uh, I expect them to be much improved. I think part of that's just second year. I think part of that is being now being the leader, having to be the leader. Um, I think that changes things for for a quarterback, point guard, what have you. Uh, when they're forced into that leadership role, I think that takes on a life of its own. Um, and he's going to have better players around them at the wide receiver. Now, you aren't going to have Bijan and Roshan, but – that may have actually it may actually play to his strengths if you're in more three four wide sets, right? Um, I think he's going to have better players around him. You know what he didn't have last year, and I think it's tough. I think because you're just judge throw to throw game to game as a quarterback, he didn't have an AD Mitchell to throw a back shoulder ball to and not have to put it right in the perfect spot. 
a throw down the field. I mean, look, I, I, I people think. No, I, I mean, Jordan, Jordan Whittington is not. Jordan Whittington would have been that person, but he's not built for that. Not and Xavier Worthy certainly isn't built for it. Right. So he's now getting something in the equation he didn't have last year. And people can look at A.D. Mitchell's stats. Well, he hadn't done that much. Well, that guy makes big plays and big times. I mean, he's caught a touchdown pass in every college football playoff and national championship game. And the only reason he didn't have 60 catches for 1,000 last year was he missed nine games at the high ankle sprain. He was the number one guy at Georgia, and he probably would still be there, honestly. So, uh, But he's going to have more weapons. Even uh, John T. Cook, DeAndre Moore, some of these young guys, uh, 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 you know, see if Brennan Thompson does as a speed guy in year two. I just think he's got, you know, Jatavion Sanders second year starting. You know, Gunnar Helm third year. I mean, I, there's so, offensive line that's more experienced. There's so many more parts around him that's going to make his job easier and better to his strengths. I, I think he's going to have a really good year. All right. Uh, with Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com, uh, we're talking uh, Texas Longhorn football. Chris Del Conte's town hall, the athletic director of the university, addressing uh, Longhorn Nation earlier today. We've uh, talked a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to also take your calls uh, today. Or not your calls, your your questions uh, we today, and try to get to the bottom of uh, some of these things that are going on uh, right now. Uh, the next thing I want to go to, Jerry, is a question that you and I were talking about off air uh, right before we went on. Uh, an update on Deuce Robinson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. It's pretty quiet. They're very close to the vest. Uh, I, I think all three all three uh, schools, USC, Texas, Georgia, continue to have communication there. Um, look, I, I had one person predict to me that if the family stayed in Phoenix, the kid would end up at USC or Texas. We'll see if that's true. If the family moves, all bets are off. Um, I, I just think it's an interesting recruitment for the, for the Texas side, the football-baseball component. It's the best at Texas. Uh, you know, what does the one thing we don't have an answer to? And sometimes, look, you're not going to get an answer to these, especially recruitment that's this close to the vest that's going on this long is what is the family's thought with with the re- offensive coordinator replacement of Todd Monken at Georgia? Does it matter? Does it not matter? You know, the father and Kirby Smart have a long term relationship dating back to when Kirby was a. GA at Florida State and Dominic Robinson was a player at Florida State. So they've known each other a long time. They have a really good relationship. They have a good dialogue. So will that matter at the end of the day? We'll we'll find out. Uh, Does USC just look, if they're going to stay in Phoenix, that's the closest to home, right? And people people can't argue that Lincoln Riley will use a kid like Deuce. Um, He's done it before. Uh, But I think Deuce is going to be successful wherever he goes. But again, I think there's two key components here for me at least in my years doing this. If the family's staying in Phoenix, somebody predicted that, predicted this would end up down to USC in Texas. If the family's open to moving for work purposes or whatever, all bets are off. If they get closer to Georgia, it may be Georgia. Georgia was the favorite early in the season throughout most of the season. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to me uh, where this is headed. He said he would have a decision by April 1. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where that ends up. But uh, uh, Gael Guerrero, uh, thank you for that question. Uh, we're going to get some more questions. Uh, first, uh, yeah. Uh, we uh, need to start taking calls, Bobby. I, what, what's the name? What's the woman's name on that show? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't she, know. But we need to start taking calls. I, I don't know that I can handle that. And our producer is shaking his head. No, he does not want any part of that because he's the one with it that would have to do that. He's fine with you guys texting in and, and going that direction. All right, let's go this. Uh, from Ashton Holloman, how much of the Longhorn Network programs will go to ESPN? I really like Rewind with Coach Sark. Now, Rewind is essentially the old coaches show. Uh, so that will probably still be aired. Uh, it may not be aired on ESPN's SEC Network. I don't know what – that's a, it's a good question, Ashton. 
Uh, and nobody came out and asked that directly of Sark. They did ask about what would happen to LHN, and LHN is going to be folded into the SEC network. I think all of the coaches' shows are on ESPN's SEC network, but I'm not sure when, and that's that's really what would happen there. Uh, I'll, I'll try to get some more clarity. Hey, Bobby, question for that. A question to that, and you may know the answer because I, I haven't looked into it. When LHN was born, the thought was Texas. there's going to be high school football games played on it. But it, since it was a singular university channel, it couldn't be. Do we get to the day and age where the SEC networks now starts playing high school games? I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see where all this goes in the NIL, NIL world we're, we're in right now. Yeah, I don't think that they'll allow it if it's a, a, a college sports network. Like the Big Ten can't have on uh, the Illinois State High School Championship game. Right. Um, ACC network can't do that, you know, et cetera. Uh, but what, you know, while LHN may be folded in to ESPN, maybe LHN becomes a different channel itself. Uh, they still are going to have, right. ESPN will still have the rights to that. What's interesting to I me. I can see it being SEC West, SEC East. Well, what's interesting to me, and I don't know how much you've read about this, but Bally Sports, uh, the regional sports networks, they filed yeah. for bankruptcy. And, you know, obviously Fox Southwest uh, or whatever it's called now, it used to be Fox Southwest. They still uh, host the UIL state championship games. And so do those go out to bid where a converted Longhorn network, whatever the new name might be, could then go out to bid and and try to take over high school sports in the state of Texas? That's a, a different story and an interesting one, I think. Uh, that we can get further into. Uh, we're taking your questions tonight. Uh, again, give us all, all you got. Uh, it's going to be from here until the rest of the way. We're going to take y'all's questions, try to get to them as quickly as possible. Uh, Jerry tr- Jerry is very efficient in this, and I try to keep him on task. Uh, so we're going to go to Gavin Hahn next. Jerry, when do you see Texas basketball recruiting going from recovery mode to positive news? Man, I like that term, recovery mode. Uh, it's almost like, Main, maintenance mode even right. more than recovery. I, so I, I look at it this way. It's it's already been positive because Ron Holland and A.J. Johnson have not said, I want out of my letter of intent. I'm out of here. So that's already been positive. Um, obviously, that's because Rodney Terry's the interim coach. The rest of the staff remains. There's a lot of relationships there. And like I've said before, I mean, n- nothing's changed with either of these guys. I, look, I haven't called these kids and done interviews with them for inside Texas. I, it's just not the time to do that. But Ron Holland's family wanted him close to home. This thing came down to Texas and Arkansas. He wanted to be at Texas. He wanted to build his brand in Texas. His family loved the idea of him being in Austin. Nothing's changed. A.J. Johnson, remember this, Jalen Green is his big brother, as he calls him, and Jalen Green calls him his little brother. Their trainer, their mentor, lives in Houston with Jalen Green, trains him even during the season. There's a reason that Texas and LSU were the two official visits for for A.J. Johnson. So he's in that close to Jalen Green and the people he wants to be around around all the time as he develops into an NBA draft pick. So nothing's changed in that regard with either of these prospects. There's a reason that Austin and Texas, and it was close to home and what is going to be close to A.J. Johnson's future home. So that I think none of that has changed. And so I think that's positive to start. Neither one of these kids has come out and said, I'm out of here. I want to release from my LOI. Um, or well, what happens next is is where what is Rodney Terry? Uh what's the end game here for Texas? If he is named the head coach, those guys aren't going anywhere. I got news for you. They're not going anywhere. Um, if there's a change at the head coaching position, then it'll get a little dicey and we'll see what happens. Uh, Texas would have to move very quickly. I think both of these prospects, though, for the for the for the reasons I just said, if there's a change at head coach and Rodney Terry's not named the head coach, these guys aren't going to automatically say, "I want out, I'm out," because they both want to be close to home, and their people want them close to home. They want them close to Houston and Dallas. So I think there's going to be a time if 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 Texas goes a different direction than Rodney Terry for the new coach to save these guys. Um, I think the bigger issue is going to be whether it's Rodney um, or somebody else is is the portal recruiting. 
because it, it, that hire is made right when these kids are starting to jump into the portal. And people that remember when Chris Beard was hired, right. and Beard that, Beard is Beard was a master, a master at it, right? And he had Rodney and Donawald and Ogden working with him on that. So there's when things were set up, there was a there was a preparation for that a year to year basis. With everything that's gone on this year, I don't know where that's at with the current Texas staff because they don't know where they're going to be at. So they they jump in behind in portal recruiting. That's I'm not worried about the high school part. I'm worried about the portal part. Next question uh, from K Warrior. I'm assuming no updates on DJ Campbell. Correct. We have not gotten a final verdict yet. We we have heard that he's been injured. We don't know the severity of it, and so we don't want to over over make it or under make it. We just don't know. Uh, and until we get word, I mean it. You know, we'll wait and see what what exactly happens. But uh, I appreciate you asking us that again, K Warrior. And we'll we'll definitely try to keep you guys up to date. Make sure you check in on InsideTexas.com as often as possible because that's where that news will break first. Uh, I would I, I would uh, guarantee. All right, uh, Eric H. Uh, what's the latest with Gary P- Patterson potentially leaving, and how might this impact the D? What are you hearing, Jerry? Jerry, did you hear me? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I, I got you now. I miss, I missed that. Uh, but uh, I've not heard anything new on it, Bobby. I've not heard anything new on on Gary Patterson um, and that decision. I do think it would impact the defense. I, I think that's he's a great defensive mind. I think he brought great ideas. I think you saw some of that on the field uh, this past season. And look, he brings a lot into meetings. Uh, he just brings a lot of expertise. Um, and so I, I think I think it would be a loss. Don't get me wrong. I think it'd be a loss. I, I actually heard a little bit of an update last week. Uh, he's definitely going through spring ball. Um, and then he, he'll likely make a decision sometime after that. Uh, but he he is there. And furthermore, you know, I'll, I'll try to explain best how he helped uh, Texas last year. And that was with quick diagnosis of what other teams were doing. Um, and so they were able to make some adjustments on the fly a little bit more, not only, and there were two reasons for that. One, the players were more familiar with the scheme, right? And so now you could actually tell Jade Barron what to do. And he actually could go out and do it on the football field or Jaron Thompson. They weren't, you know, second guessing in their heads, right? Uh, number two is they'd also seen and listened to a full spring, spring practice with these coaches and had a full work through them. Uh, and then Patterson comes in, and on game days, he may have a, a few things to say. Uh, and that's that's where that ends up. And so uh, we'll see where he ends, what, what happens. I think he absolutely affected the D in season last year, not just not just in the, the uh, out-of-season work and the, the preseason work, but really during games because he, he is – I mean, he's a, almost a 40-year pro coach. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, he's going to have seen things that not everybody else has seen. Uh, next question from Jay Marley. How are Ethan Burke, uh, Chris Ross, Jermon Tapp, Jare Bledsoe, and other young DL looking? A good a, a good edge could change this entire season. Jerry, I, I, I haven't heard anything new on those guys unless you have. I've not heard anything new, just that all, all those guys are putting in the work ass of them uh, here in the offseason, head into spring. I actually think it's the biggest question this spring that, that people are going to want answers to. We all want answers to, uh, because I agree with uh, our, our uh, Jay Marley here. It, it's a difference maker for this team. Um, you, you look around and you like the interior defensive line players coming back. Could you have more depth? You can always have more depth. You love the secondary with the additions of Catalan, Holmes, Malik Muhammad, and the experience coming back. Jalen Ford's the best linebacker in the conference coming back. They're going to have to get some more experience there, but they got some really good, talented players. But the edge position, you know, after offensive line was addressed in 2022, uh, the edge position came became the one for Texas fans to me. And I, I think it is that right now. You need a couple of those guys to take a big step. One of them needs to be Bledsoe. If he's going to play outside – um, he's such a gifted kid. He's got the bigger, bigger frame of all the guys. And he has some real combination of initial quickness, suddenness with size. Uh, if he comes on, 
then he's going to make that unit better, even if it's just against the run. I, I think he can be a difference maker there. Uh, Ethan Burke, Tap. I, I still think Ross will head inside over time. So Ethan Burke or Tap, it'll be interesting to see where's Burke's uh, body go versus how comfortable does Tap get as a player? Is he not thinking as much and just reacting? I think the winner and that little battle there is going to tell us a lot coming out of the spring. Got it. Um, look, let's <laughs> talk about some other stuff here and, and see where we can go with it. Uh, I wrote a little bit about this this morning. Uh, what do you guys think about new wide receivers coach Chris Jackson? This question coming in from Raul G. I, I think it's going well. Uh, you know, from some folks I talked to, uh, he's reached out to existing players on the roster, tried to get them in and around them uh, and develop relationships with them. Uh, of course, none of that matters if they don't produce on the field. Uh, and I get the sense that he is a bottom line guy. Um, and I think that's kind of what you bring to the table if you're a uh, a pro coach going back to the college game. Uh, so, look, I, I'm going to be blunt. I think he's going to kick ass. I, I think it's great timing for him. Um, I, I think what he – I love pe- – some people said, well, well, he hadn't coached that long. He was training guys for the draft. I actually love that, Bobby. I, I think that gives him a built-in advantage uh, with these kids. Because he's worked with, I think he's he's hasn't just been a pro coach. He hasn't just been a college coach. He's worked with guys in preparation for the draft. He worked with a few guys in high school getting ready for college, similar to what Marjorie Hooks does, but not that many kids. Um, I think he's coming from a great place in that regard. I, I think there's you're going to see more hires like that in coaching um, in the in the future. I mean, Marjorie Hooks could go coach in college if you want to right now. Nathan O'Neill, who we've had on here, could go coach. They've turned down jobs. I think you're going to see a transition to more guys like that. I think Chris Jackson is coming in with perfect timing, too. He's going to be a teacher. He's going to control the room. People can say that's overused. I don't think it is. When you have a lot of highly ranked guys and a lot of, you say, egos, expectations, whatever you want to call it, I think being a pro coach, he knows how to manage different guys, right? Most talented that receiver room's been in, I think, maybe the history of me following Texas football. Yeah. I have I mean, to tell you, yeah, three, maybe four NFL guys. Yep. And so you have to be able to manage all. The, I say egos in a positive way. If you don't have an ego, what? I mean, you got to have a little bit of it. Um, he's got to manage all those guys. And, and I think that's a bigger task than people think, because you can't coach them all the same. Some guys may be a visual learner, but some guys may be an audio learner. Some guys may take the tough love coaching better than other kids. You have to. You have to mix and match to maximize each and every one of those guys once you get past the initial technician part of what we're looking for here at wide receiver at the University of Texas and how we're going to teach this. It's, you know, getting it through to those guys. It's all different, and I think he's coming in with great timing. I mean, for all the reasons I think Quinn's going to have a good year, I think it's perfect for for Chris Jackson to come into Texas offensive line, this experience, quarterback this experience, tight end this experience. A lot, like you said, a very talented wide receiver room, a good mix of experienced guys and freshmen coming in. He couldn't be coming into Texas at a better time. Can you think of a more talented wide receiver room? I mean, little Jordan Humphrey, Colin Johnson, uh, uh, and uh, Dev Duvernay. But none of, I mean, Duvernay was really the only one that has seen a lot of success in the NFL. All of them are players. I, I mean, Year one, year one and two at Texas, you would people would argue Roy, BJ, and Sloan, Tony Jefferson. BJ and Sloan just never, never yeah, but had I mean, rate coming out of high school. You know, I mean, they're all five star guys, right? I mean, so you kept thinking, okay, what's what's BJ going to look like in year two and three and four at Texas, right? I mean, you knew Roy was a freak from the get go, but to depth of talent, no, they go full, they go at least four deep, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted I missed my mark a little bit earlier. Matt, our producer, was trying to get me to say something about Energy Texas. Uh, Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, but Texas. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. That's www.energytexas.com. Those guys will take care of you. My mom and dad use them, I'm proud to say. So that's a that's a good thing. Hey, uh, Jerry, uh, staying on the receiver thing real quick, Mock Schnell had a question uh, for us. 
Any updates on Jaden Alexis? Uh, he was fighting through a uh, knee injury last spring and fall, and I don't know that he's ever going to get back to a level where he's going to be getting on the field. I could easily see him being a medical redshirt. Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah, I could. I, I mean, I could see that too, barring some the unforeseen right now and just the guys that are in the program, coming into the program, returning in the program. I think it's a be an uphill battle. I say that as a guy that really liked Jaden coming out of high school, just a devastating knee injury for him. He's a really talented kid out of Monarch in South Florida. Uh, I thought he was going to be a really good player. Uh, Casey Kane, he's fighting for playing time. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know that he's fighting for a roster spot. Right, for playing he's time. fighting for playing time. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's, well, he's A.D. Mitchell – A.D. Mitchell guarantees that the return of Isaiah Nayor complicates it and could further hamper it, right? Yeah, no question about it. And then Jate Cook coming in, where do they play him? Where is he going to take reps? DeAndre Moore. That's kind of the thing we're going to be watching for in the spring is where do those guys line up initially? Where they line up initially is going to tell you a lot about Casey Kane's reps. Don't we think that – that? do you think that – He'll line up behind Xavier. Do you think Cook will line up in the slot or behind Xavier Worthy? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I'm going to say behind Xavier Worthy to start, but I see him eventually in in the slot uh, being very dangerous. So maybe DeAndre Moore ends up in Worthy's spot long term. Yeah, and that's an interesting thought process. We'll get our first peek uh, in less than a month, Jerry. Uh, Just two weeks away, start of spring practice. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's, it's just around the corner. Uh, please get your questions in. Uh, we got some time here, about 20 minutes left in this show. Uh, we're going to do nothing but take your questions the rest of the way. I'm Bobby Burton with uh, Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com, uh, your source for Longhorn football and recruiting news. Let's go on to the next one. This one comes from Matthew Koshin. Can we get some insight on what exactly or who are these source, are, are these quote-unquote sources we always hear about is someone like jake longy the type of guy you fellows would refer to as quote unquote sources yeah sure i mean the, the answer is it goes it runs the gamut it can be anybody and everybody can be a source the the thing that jerry and i try to uh do and i know eric justin joe paul uh, ian we all take very seriously when we use the term source. We're not just, you know, we're not going to quote the second team equipment guy, right? I mean, it has to be somebody that has some skin in the game uh, because a lot of people can just pass on information and news any which way. You should see my email box sometimes right? with the the kind of stuff. I mean, we, I passed one on last week that to the entire Inside Texas crew that we we're just like, I don't know where these people get this stuff from. Uh, but we qualify these Bobby. sources. I don't know about Bobby, but I've found over the years the best sources in a recruiting game a lot of times are the guy that's not going to get the player, but he's staying in there and recruiting him, uh, that, that knows he's not getting the player. Boy, he has a lot of great information. It's <laughs> <laughs> willing to talk about it. Especially if he's on the outside looking that's in. Right. That's yeah. right. No doubt. Uh, staying with Matthew, he had another question. I want to follow up since he was nice enough to have that one. How can we be ready for the SEC with our lack of D-line recruiting? Sadir Mitchell seems to be the only guy that is for sure D-line and not edge. Will we have to rely on the portal for SEC play? Could be. I don't know. Jerry? I mean, I think, the one, I think the one thing about it is I'm not down on the D-line guys. Texas is recruited necessarily. I just think they've got to shift some gears and get some bigger bodies with those guys. I think the hard, the most difficult thing, I think for college coaches now, is still have patience and development. I mean, you know, we've talked about this. You're not going to the portal to go get uh, a, a big-time player from an SEC defensive line. He's not going to portal to play for you. Um, you have to be the first to bat on some FCS kid who's a really good player. Arkansas took a kid from Illinois State. 
uh, a couple of years ago that was a six-round pick. Um, you have to be first to bat really quickly. You have to do what FSU's done, essentially. FSU gets those kids on campus immediately. Um, but, you know, it's more of a shift in gears, too, of the type of body they're recruiting. And, and look, that means you're going into Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida, and Georgia, and gird up your loins. I mean, they're big-time recruitments, and they're, they're the hardest guys to me to win out for are difference makers on the interior and five-star edge guys. Because just look at the teams that have won the titles. I, I think it's fair. I, look, I think they have to have more big big guys on the interior too, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I We talked about if they missed anything this year, it was probably on the interior other than Sadir. They just didn't get that um, that second big body uh, that, that we probably would have liked to have seen at some point. Uh, Sean Gonzalez. Uh, looking forward here a little bit. Any updates on King Joe and Colin Simmons? Any other edges in 2024 we should look at? Yeah, actually, I uh, exchanged some messages with King Joseph Edwards earlier today. I was asking if he was going to make a June 23rd official visit, which I think is going to end up being Texas' big official visit weekend. Um, he said he would like probably like to come for a game day atmosphere weekend during the season. So does that mean that's absolutely going to happen? No, but I think that's what King Joseph Edwards is thinking right now. Um, so I know he's going to go up to Ohio State, I believe, in June. Uh, Colin Simmons, I expect him on campus this spring. I expect this to go a while. LSU, Georgia, Texas, Bama, all the SEC heavy hitters are going to be in it. Um, and we'll see which way it goes. Uh, Zena Yumeozulu will be on campus March 25th. Uh, Neto's little brother, he did not come in January. Um, Edric Houston, per Chad Simmons, our national lead national reporter, Edric Houston, five-star edge kid out of Georgia, out of Buford High. Have fun with that one, uh, Tashard Choice and staff. He's going to be in April 4th, 5th weekend to Texas on an official visit. What What about the, the one that you just talked to down at uh, uh, Oak Ridge? Oak Ridge. I mean, he, you said you just got off the phone with him. Is he an edge guy or is he more he's, of a He's a maybe. Guy? He's, kind of, he's going to be recruited as an either-or guy. Six three and a half, about 255 right now. Uh, Joseph Jonah Onye is his name. Uh, just He's just popping up on the national radar. In my opinion, doing this 22 years will end up being a top 75 kid in the country. Um, hey, I, I, but but he's, you said right before we got on, you said you just called him and he had just gotten off the phone with Sark. Yeah, like I, I called him at 415 or 4.19, and he just got off the phone with uh, Sarkeesian like four or five minutes before that. And the message from Sarkeesian and Bo Davis on Sunday when he called Bo was that you are a priority recruit for us. We're going to recruit you heavily. So he now knows he's a priority for Texas. And look, I was by Oak Ridge a couple of weeks ago, and he should be a priority. And it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, till Georgia and Alabama come off for him. He's going to go to Oklahoma March 4th, A&M, I think on the uh, – 11th uh he'll be at texas either on march 25th or for the spring game and on april 15th we'll see which one that uh happens to be but texas sarkeesian call talk calling him today both talking to him yesterday saying you are a priority for us that just mattered in that recruitment because i think he was unsure because texas offered him four days after the junior day a little after some other schools had all right uh i'm going to take this question i want to get your feedback on it jerry yeah. Um, are the wide receivers finally going to be able to rotate? I feel Sarkeesian doesn't rotate enough, at least since he has been here. So he doesn't, he, he historically has not rotated receivers heavily uh, because, and I've got to be honest with you, having watched some guys rotate receivers and have guys on the field that couldn't, couldn't get deep or make a play in their place. I don't have a problem with playing fewer reps for guys that can't do anything. What, I mean, and you, and you not, what? I'm not saying that Texas isn't deep at receiver. doesn't have guys <laughs> that can do it. But, man, I mean, if you're in these football games and they're tight contests, giving a, a series of two or two away to a lesser player can hurt the outcome of the game. I don't know. Until Texas starts winning games 49 to nothing like they did against OU, No. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Maybe one or two series, okay? Well, or until your second team guys are future draft picks like your first team guys are, when you can actually make the substitution. But look, Dan Mullen's the same way, right, Bobby? We noticed that at Florida. He, 
they play these guys are going to play their best fl- players at wide receiver. And look, you knew this was coming when Sarkeesian said we had twice as many wide receivers in the room as we needed when he got here. You knew that the rotation was going to be short at that point in time because he cut half the bodies. All right. Uh, thanks, Nick Fee, for that question. Uh, Dirty Boy, do you think? Thank you for the super chat. Do you think there's a D line in the SEC that our O line won't dominate after this year's development? I'm going to say this. Yes, there are yes. several. <laughs> yes, because dominate. Dominate is not the right word. You no. you don't necessarily dominate a great defensive line. Even a if if a great defensive line is out there, it's going to be in the SEC first of all. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so you know, great O lines don't necessarily dominate great D lines. It just doesn't work that way. Um, do I think that the O line will be overmatched in year two, uh, to a, a year and a half, full two full years down the road? No, I don't think so. No, and that's that's really all you can ask at some level when you're playing four down linemen on the other side that are all NFL players, which Georgia, Alabama and half a dozen other LSU. in the SEC yeah. might have. Yeah. LSU. I mean, yeah. it, it, at that point, you're trying to hold serve or create some some uh, time in the pocket, right? And so I, I hear what you're saying. I just don't know that I agree with that. What do you, you, you agree with me, Jerry, or where are you at? Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's interesting. College football is interesting to me because Clemson won two national titles masking an average as grits offensive line for 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 a powerhouse football team. So there you can mask that. I don't think Texas is going to have to mask that. And Clemson, you know, they were great at every other position, running back, quarterback, tight end, wide out. They were all NFL draft picks around those guys, right? So I think there's a couple of ways to do it. Um, Texas offensive line is going to be way ahead of what Clemson, to me, was playing with when they won two national titles. People have got to remember, Clemson, I don't think they've had a first rounder on the offensive line since 81. Those two national title teams had a fourth and sixth round pick, and they're both interior guys. So they won national titles without NFL offensive taf- tackle draft picks, which is hard to do. Um, so that's you can win different ways in college football, but the week to week in the SEC has 51 defensive linemen drafted, I believe, in the last five drafts out of the SEC before this, this one. Um, you're going up against two or three NFL guys every Saturday. Bottom line. And you're not going to dominate those guys. But I agree with Bobby. Texas will hold serve and more than hold serve against some teams. All right. Ski Breck, how many guys could get drafted next year? This is an interesting topic for me. Um, yeah. I love I'm gonna, it. Let, let me – I'll go with the ones that I think are are, are likely to. A.D. Mitchell. Yeah. Jatavian Sanders leaves early. Yeah. Um I, I hesitate on Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington um, simply because I don't know that Worthy's got some stuff to prove that he's an NFL receiver right now. Uh, I think he's got NFL attributes as far as uh, quickness. Uh, is he going to end up being a, a guy that can compete for uh, 50-50 balls? Because he's going to have to do that in the NFL period. Um, Christian Jones is a maybe for me, a late round guy. Uh, Jake Majors would probably be a no at this point. Just doesn't hold the point of attack quite well enough. Um, but, you know, Austin Sinline had some issues with that and ended up playing, I think, 10 or 12 years in the NFL. So center's yeah. uh, an interesting position. Uh, Quinn Ewers is a likely, uh, I would say 50-50, that less than 50% chance he he turns pro after this year. Uh, so I'm, th- I'm really thinking A.D. Mitchell and J.T. Sanders at minimum uh, on offense. And then on defense, Jerry, I, I'd go with Jalen Ford, Tavondre Sweat. Um, and then, you know, after that, I think that you'd have to see what what else was out there. Jade Barron would be probably the, the top draft pick of the secondary guys. If Jalen Catalan um, is, is in, is, has any injury recurrence. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that. Um, I, I'm a little different. I think Worthy's definitely a draft pick. It's just that he's going to be a second round guy or fifth round guy. That's, I think, why, that's why Texas is going to get a great season out of him because this is it. It should be his final year in, in his mind. Should be his contract year. It's his contract year. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's where I that's where I put um, some interesting thoughts on Alfred Collins. He's got to play more snaps this year. 
and this is his contract year. Is he finally going to live up to some of that potential? Because if he flashes it enough, he'll give you a late round pick because he's going to test well and he's people are going to say, oh, we'll turn him into this. That's the way the NFL is. That's the way the NBA is, right? So he's one of those guys on the outlier that nobody's thinking right now that could end up being. Um, I Catalan's a draft pick if he's healthy. I mean, he's he, he'll be a lower round guy, too much injury history. He's not going to test well enough. Uh, you know, the, 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 there's a couple of interesting ones for me out there. You know, Bobby, could Ryan Watts as a safety get a look? I don't know. Could Gavin Holmes, if he's the fastest Longhorn on defense playing at the University of Texas, could he elevate himself into that where he has to think about it, a late-round pick? I mean, if he's the fastest guy in the secondary, fastest guy on defense, that he's got a chance. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Nelson, thanks for the super chat here. Uh, Casey Kane is a hard worker, but going from him being the third or fourth most talented healthy wide receiver last year to now like eighth to ninth most talented is a big deal. I don't know that he drops that high, drops that low. Do you think he drops that low, Jer? I do. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's say Worthy, Whittington, Mitchell, Nayor, maybe not eight, nine. Cook, DeAndre Moore, you're at six right there, maybe seventh. I think those guys are more talented players than Casey. Yeah. Well, I mean, talented, but ready to play. Right. I mean, he doesn't go from third or fourth overall to ninth overall. He probably goes third or fourth to sixth at most. Yeah. Because those other guys, the Moors and the Cooks, you don't know if their body's going to take to the college game yet. Right. You know, and be ready. So I, I, I appreciate the question. It, it it does highlight, though, what Ryan's saying here, and I agree with, is it highlights just how much better I think uh, the uh, the running or the wide receiver room uh, has gotten at, at this point, and so I, well, I feel the other thing, Bobby, for me is all the questions are coming up. Texas has 15 early enrollees, and so these questions are going to keep popping up. Linebacker, wide receiver. I mean, Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore being early enrollees is huge for those guys um, because we've seen, you know, look, Cole Hudson ended up being a starter on the offensive line last year. As you've said before, if he wasn't an early enrollee, we don't think that happens. Yep. All right. Uh, go here. Question. Uh, Savion Red and Juan Davis, what are the chances they permanently change positions? I admittedly like them both at their original positions. So Savion Red is already moved to running back. Um, what are the chances he permanently changes positions? I love um, the chances. <laughs> what's that? I love the chances. I think he's going to be really good at it. I, I think that's, I think he fits what, Texas does with Keelan Robinson. I love the change for Red. And look, I mean, if that puts a lot of pressure on Jaden Blue to be a more physical runner because you know Savion Red's dropping pads on Jalen Ford if he gets a chance. What now, about I Juan Davis? Him. What about Juan, Juan Davis? Davis you know, he's not a long kid is his issue. He doesn't have a lot of length. So when you move him out, if you're talking about moving him to a, an edge position, I mean, is he Ovi there? That lacks frame and length. Is he better? I think athlete? he's more physical than Ovi, though, naturally. Yeah. But he's he's gonna lack some frame compared to some of the guys that have been recruited, gonna be recruited. He has not been moved, by the way, right. to my knowledge, right? I mean, I, I don't I don't think that's the case. Uh uh, but we would have I I may be wrong and misspeaking there, but I don't think so. Um, all right, keep going here a little bit more. Um let's see here. One more that I want to get to. What happens from James Oliver? What happens with Sark scheme-wise if Brennan Thompson lays down a 10-1 100 meter this spring? Um, if he does that, I think everybody's going to kind of like look over their shoulder because uh, he did not get a lot of run last year. Um, and actually, Savion Red got a little bit more than him, I think, because of physicality. And because, frankly, they didn't play a lot of three wides. Um, and so somebody was coming in for Jordan Whittington uh, at times. And Jordan Whittington was, was healthy all year long. And with only playing two tight ends or playing two tight ends the majority of the time, they just didn't get to him. Um, if he goes that fast, though, Jerry, don't you have to try to find a way to get this guy on the field? I, 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 I distinctively remember uh, against OU – 
Quinn threw it out of the back of the end zone one time to Xavier Worthy. Brennan Thompson had blown by the secondary, was open by 10 yards. If he would just yeah. thrown it down the middle of the field instead of to the to the back corner. Um, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, I go to the play against Oklahoma State. If you just get the guy the ball, all he has to do is make one person miss, and you're going to get a first down, and you may get 30. I think for that reason, you have to find a way to get him a, cu- a couple of touches every game. And if you're Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, and Arch Manning, you're going to say, yes, please, let me just throw something out quick and let him do something. Let him make somebody miss. Um, because there just aren't many guys. There's a lot of guys that have reported speed. We all do it in our business. There are not many guys that have legitimate speed. Like, Bobby, that remember that Tuesday practice we were at when they were running sprints at the end of practice? There's no question who the fastest player on the team was. It wasn't even close. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> he he got out and got going, and then kind of just, went, just just put in a little little glide motion. You know what I mean? It was very interesting. Speaking with Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com, I uh, want to say thank you to our sponsor one final time tonight. we got about five minutes left here, so I want to say thank you to Energy Texas. Uh, Energy Texas is for Texans uh, by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. That's www.energytexas.com. Folks, get a couple more questions in here before we get going tonight. Uh, Jerry and I are trying to get this stuff going. Uh, Jerry, you have any updates on Darian Gallette and his knee? Not just he's been back jogging. Um, he's on, he's ahead of schedule. We don't expect anything from him this spring. I, I fully expect him the red shirt because look, here's the thing with Darian. It, prior to the injury, he was coming into Power Five football from small school, high school football, never concentrating on one position. So we talk about Malik Mal- Murphy's technical overhaul. Darian Gallette was going to go through a teaching and technical uh year a transition year doesn't mean you couldn't see him on special teams save his red shirt but it but look this guy was gonna be put in a position he'd never played truly before concentrate on that position in a film room on a day-to-day practice uh field so everything was going to be moving fast and really new for him he's an upside down the road guy that's been set back a year due to the knee injury uh but it, now look for the Texas fans if this guy comes back to 95% of what he was as an athlete, and I'm not saying he won't come back to 100, but if he just comes back to 95, he's pound for pound one of the best athletes in the country last year. There are not many 6'3", 225s that were going to throw the shot, put 50, run on the four by one, run the open two, dunk a basketball at the top of the square 10 times in a junior season. There just aren't many guys like that at 6'3", 225. So he's an elite, elite athlete. And for Texas fans, just hope he comes back to 95% because he's an intelligent kid. And then what if he comes back, then the next big step for him, is he going to become a SEC physical defensive football player? I think that was always kind of what Bobby talked about. We talked about with Darian watching him on tape. And I think part of it's he just played quarterback, receiver. He played everywhere. But he's got to become an SEC physical player around the line of scrimmage. If he does that with that athletic ability, watch out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this next question, and I, I've got to give it to him uh, right here. Does Brett <laughs> Auburn have the most recognizable hair since Quinn shaved his mullet? I mean, I'm not – most recognizable is one thing. I don't know what you call this mop. I mean, Matt's going to put it up on the screen here for us. I don't even know what to call Bert Auburn's hair. Ernie and Bert, I mean, it's it's some hair now. I, I, look, I can tell you this. I was walking around campus one day, um, and it, it, the guy is the easily the most recognizable <laughs> Texas football player. I don't care. Kelvin Banks, put Arch Manning. This yeah, guy, there may there may be guy there may be some other guys on UT's campus rocking a mullet. There's not anybody else on campus rocking that no, that dude right there. Not at all. Not <laughs> even close. All right. Um, Jerry, getting in Jacob Pryor next, uh, the secondary. He wants a secondary outlook. We've talked about this a couple times. I think we both really like where Texas is at. Uh, Yeah, I actually love the secondary. Um, You know, obviously, Gavin Holmes is a big pickup at corner because you're you're looking at Ryan Watts coming back, Terrence Brooks, Malik Muhammad coming in. 
Maybe Austin Jordan moves to nickel safety this spring. We'll see. Maybe Terrence Brooks does. We'll see. But Gavin Holmes is a two-year starter. Oh, boy, we lost Jerry there for a minute. Uh, I'll take him out of here and remove him for a minute. Uh, he, he was talking about Gavin Holmes, a young man from Wake Forest. He's there at corner. Ryan Rotz is back at corner. Jalen Catalan, two- or three-year starter from Arkansas, along with Jared Thompson, adding in someone like Jade Barron. Jalen Gilbo comes back after the spring. Uh, there are half a dozen guys uh, that are there and available uh, to, to Texas that have some experience. Michael Taft, Keaton Crawford got some time last year. Uh, then you have a guy like Terrence Brooks, who at corner really showed something in the Alamo Bowl. Um, the outlook for the secondary, I think, is strong because you have so many pieces that can be interchangeable. I'd probably like to see one more true corner step up outside of Watts, Holmes, and Brooks uh, at this point. Uh, but other than that, I, I just feel like the depth is better than what it's maybe been uh, in quite some time in the secondary. All right, uh, Jerry, I think, got kicked off because he, he ran out of battery on his uh, computer. Uh, I'll, I'll close it down for there uh, tonight. It's been an hour. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Thanks for those couple of uh, super chats. I also want to say uh, tomorrow morning, Joe Cook and I will sit down and talk about the running back uh, room Prior to spring practice, we did the quarterbacks. Uh, me and Justin Wells did the quarterbacks uh, this morning. We're doing the running backs tomorrow, trying to give us uh, give you guys our full feedback on what they're doing and up to. Uh, also, please remember, InsideTexas.com, available right now for $30 all the way through uh, fall practice. That means you get spring practice. You're going to get all the recruiting coverage, and you get the two-a-days in fall camp, uh, which are so, so important in the uh, Longhorns looking to make a move in their final season in the Big 12. All right, for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, thank you to our producer, Matt Hutchison. Uh, this has been On Texas Football.